Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at relevantradio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to the Inner Life here on this Tuesday in the second week of Easter. The week is off and running. <laughs> got, got through Monday, and so here we are on Tuesday. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Glad to have you with us for this hour dedicated to spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Now, are you old enough to remember getting your very first VCR? That, that was a game changer for those of us who lived during that time. You could actually record a television show and watch it at a different time. You didn't have to be there for live television anymore. Well, that's as long as you figured out how to program your VCR correctly. And that might have uh, taken a few attempts there. But you also didn't have to wait for movies to come back to a theater or be broadcast as the movie of the week on network television. You could watch your favorite movies anytime you wanted in your home. My dad, he bought our first VCR in 1986. We'd been to visit my sister. She lived in a different town, and uh, she'd only been married maybe about a year at the time. And she and her husband, they had a VCR as well as a television that had a remote control. And I know both of those are unremarkable technology right now, but my dad was amazed with them, fascinated with them. And, you know, like I said, you get to watch movies at home. Also, you can watch a movie without commercial interruptions on your television, and then you don't have to get up off the couch to change the channel. So after we got back to our home, my dad, he went to an electronics store that sold VCRs, and he bought one, of course, with a remote control, right? And back then there was that question, are you, should you buy VHS, should you buy Betamax? And my dad, thankfully, opted for VHS, which ended up winning that uh, video uh, tape war uh, battle there. And he also, when he bought that VHS player, he purchased three movies on VHS tapes that day as well. One was this old black and white pirate movie. It was called Captain Kid. And then there was a second movie that he bought, The Greatest Story Ever Told. It's an epic movie about the life of Christ. And maybe you've seen it. It has Charlton Heston as John the Baptist. Telly Savalas as Pontius Pilate. John Wayne is the Roman centurion there at the foot of the cross. Uh, the third movie, though, was The Empire Strikes Back, that second Star Wars film that was released. And that's the one that I watched the most. I loved that movie. So I, I, th I still think it's the best movie out of all the different Star Wars films and uh, series that have been released. The Empire Strikes Back is just the best one. And as a kid growing up, that character of Yoda, the Jedi Master, who's 900 years old, he was one of my favorite parts of the movie, watching this little alien creature who trains Luke Skywalker to use the Force. And in that movie, there's this wonderful part where you get to see this glimpse of Yoda's true power with the Force. 
Luke in his training, he's deep in concentration. He's doing a handstand on one hand. He's levitating stones. And while he's doing this, his X-wing ship, it starts to sink in this bog. And this breaks his concentration. Well, then Yoda, he wants Luke to use the force to lift his ship out of the water. And Luke argues that moving stones around, that's one thing, but the size, the weight of the ship, that's completely different. And Yoda tells him it's only different in his mind. So Luke says, okay, I'll try. And then Yoda, he responds with that famous quote, no, try not, do or do not, there is no try. So Luke, he lets out this sigh, he extends his hand and he concentrates, trying to move his ship with the power of the force. And the X-Wing, it does. It starts to raise slightly in the, the water, and Yoda's eyes get big, but then it doesn't work, and it sinks back down even deeper into the bog there. And Luke, he's exhausted, and he just falls down on the ground next to Yoda and says, the ship is too big. And that's when tiny little Yoda, the short old alien that hobbles around with a king, he, he does what Luke couldn't do. Yoda extends his hand, and then the music starts to swell, and the X-Wing, it floats out of the water onto dry land, and Luke says, understandably, I don't believe it. And Yoda replies, that is why you fail. Now, have you ever stopped to consider where your lack of belief just like Luke, I don't believe it. Where your lack of belief holds you back? Jesus says that if we have the faith of a tiny little mustard seed, we will be able to move a mountain. But most of the time, I don't know about you, for me, I find myself going around the mountain thinking it's going to be impossible to move it. We all wrestle with doubts on our spiritual journey. A couple of days ago on Sunday at Mass, we heard about Thomas where he said he wouldn't believe that Jesus is risen from the dead until he could see with his own eyes and touch Jesus with his own hands, those scars. And forever after, what's, he's been, what's he been known as? As doubting Thomas, right? But what can we learn from him when we face doubts in our own life? Well, that's what we want to examine today on The Inner Life, those times when we doubt. We want to look at how we can strengthen our faith so that when trials or when difficulties come our way, we can stand firm in our knowledge that we have a God who loves us, who wants the best for us, he cares for us. And joining us as our spiritual director for the hour today, I'm very glad to welcome back Father Joseph Ilo. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco and the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. Father Ilo, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you, Josh. So good to be back with you. Well, and so as today we look at this big question of doubt, this thing that so many of us struggle with at different points, might not be all the time, but at different points we all face doubts in our spiritual journey, might be good to just talk about, uh, you know, defining those terms. What is doubt when we look at it from a spiritual standpoint? That's right. And uh, with you, I like The Empire Strikes Back, of all the Star Wars movies that I can still remember, watching it in the, on the big screen with a bunch of friends from college. And we talked about it afterwards. And really, I think that's where the character of Luke Skywalker comes into his own. He, he almost becomes biblical, as you say, because he overcomes this doubt. He, he wrestles with it, and there are many other scenes. But 
George Lucas really took that character of Luke from from the Bible because he grew up. He actually, he grew up in where I had my uh, parish for many years in Modesto, California, which is a which is a very Christian town. And the doubting Thomas figure is so typical of all of us. So last Sunday, I often call it Doubting Thomas Sunday, the second Sunday of Easter, because everybody's excited after Easter. The risen Lord has come back from the dead. The new kingdom of God is dawned upon us. But what Doubting Thomas speaks to is the long haul. So we're excited at first, but then life's difficulties and doubts come come to us. And they start to wear away at that joy, at that confidence that there is an order to the universe, that God has triumphed over death. And that's where Thomas comes in. A week later, Thomas says, I will I will not believe if unless he shows himself to me. And 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 Jesus does that. We'll get into that scripture in a minute, but you're right, we should define what doubt means. And so in preparing for this show, I looked up in the catechism, number 2088. In 2888, there's a definition of theological doubt. To understand doubt, we have to understand faith, because doubt is the opposite of faith, and faith is the first theological virtue. Faith must be cultivated and nourished, otherwise we could lose it. We strengthen our faith by studying the Word of God, by praying for strength to believe in difficult periods of our lives, by teaching and promoting the faith. It's often the best way to learn is to teach. So teaching our children, witnessing to family members and coworkers, etc. And then also practicing the faith by obedience. Every time we obey the precepts of the church, like go to Mass every Sunday, keep the Eucharistic fast, try our best to be chaste, keeping the sexual teachings of the moral law, uh, all the other things, we grow in faith because we're we're getting muscle memory in terms of practicing and, and acting, out, acting on that faith. Faith is the most precious gift we have because it makes possible both temporal and eternal happiness. But we can lose that gift of faith. We can lose our happiness if we lose our faith. In fact, I know a young man, he served at the altar for many years when I was, uh, many years ago, he went on to Steubenville, University of Steubenville, and really was growing tremendously in his faith. And he strengthened my own faith. But some years ago, he was trying to win over one of his friends who was a really intelligent atheist. And this wonderful young man lost his own faith in that contest. He, he lost. And his, his wife and children lost their faith as well. And this is just a terrible tragedy that has repercussions far beyond even his own family. So how do we avoid losing our faith? How do we, what is doubt? Doubt starts with an involuntary feeling, an anxiety or confusion about either a truth, like a teaching or doctrine of the church, such as there is a God or the Eucharist is truly the body and blood of Christ, or a doubt about a personal conviction, such as God loves me, or I'm a good person, or my life has purpose, is a purpose to it. But at this point, doubt is just a feeling or an anxiety, and it's involuntary. If we allow that 
feeling to fester, it becomes voluntary. And we move on to a sinful act of disregarding or refusing to hold as true what God has revealed. The Catechism teaches that we have to hold on to what is true with prudence and vigilance and to actively reject everything opposed to the faith. So (laughs) I would say today most movies, most mainstream movies are opposed to the faith, and and they're very clever about it. Uh, Conversations with other people, impure or negative conversations, uh, a lot of the school curricula that uh, across the board uh, cleverly discredit the faith, so seeds of doubt. And parents especially have to be very vigilant about their own children's faith. What are they learning at school? Mother Teresa would often say that grumbling is one of the worst things. She would always say to her sisters, don't complain, don't moan and groan, because grumbling negative conversations destroy our faith and our joyful confidence in God's goodness and the good order around us. So even just a very simple thing, doubt is talking negatively, gossiping or or, uh, complaining. And so one way to avoid doubt is just to to fast from negativity. So that's Hmm. that's a definition of doubt, both voluntary and involuntary. Uh, Well, and maybe we can get back in just a moment here to, you mentioned a couple of virtues of how we can grow and protect our faith. You mentioned the virtues of prudence and vigilance. So let's get back to that in just a moment. But as you're talking about that grumbling, it it kind Mm -hmm. of makes me think of the Israelites right after they have Mm -hmm. been uh, taken out of Egypt. They all of a sudden have their freedom. And the very moment that there's any sort of uncertainty about the future... What do they do? They start to complain. They start to grumble. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, God has proven himself again and again for them. Uh, they've seen even the protection with the the pillar at night, the pillar of fire that's there, the cloud that is between them and Pharaoh's army. When the, the Red Sea is parted for them to cross through, they have mm-hmm. this amazing moment that they walk through, not just through muddy land, but on dry land, it says there in in the account. And then they see the waters that crash down on Pharaoh's armies. And there's this, all all of this that they've all seen, that they've all witnessed. Mm -hmm. But then when there's this, uh uh-oh, you know, where, what are we going to eat? How are we going to take care of ourselves? Would have been better for us to stay in Egypt as slaves just be slaves rather than to have our freedom and trust in God, even though he's provided all this way so far. We're so quick to not not only grumble, but I think forget the ways that God has provided for us in the past. And it might be very recent. Another example of that is the people demanding a sign from Jesus before his discourse mm-hmm. on the Eucharist in John's Gospel. We have where the very day before that, He'd fed thousands with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And they come to him the very next day saying, well, are you really the chosen one of God? Are you the Messiah? Give us some sort of sign, demonstrate. And this is such a huge miracle that that miracle was recorded in all four Gospels. It was so Mm -hmm. significant. But the people then say, yeah, we're not sure. 
Uh, yeah, that was yesterday. Today, we need we need mm. some sort of sign so we can know. Why do you think we're so quick to forget how God has provided and taken care of and guided us in our past? That's uh, that's the beauty of the Thomas story because Thomas, like all the apostles, had all the evidence that you could ask for of the divinity of Christ, all of his miracles, and the 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 testimony of those who had seen him rise from the dead. Now, Thomas didn't see it with his own eyes. That is the resurrection, but he had seen everything else. And Thomas, Thomas was a complainer, I guess, because he, the way he says, like, unless I see, unless I touch, I will not believe. It's kind of a, I mean, maybe his weakness, his character flaw was, this kind of um, demanding nature. Uh, I want my way, and if I don't get it, I, I will not believe. And and that's why it's significant that it was eight days later. God allowed Thomas to kind of suffer from that negativity, that doubt, for, for eight days. And then he came personally to strengthen his faith. But the the faith is, we're, we're in a marathon, not a sprint here with our faith. There are years and years that we have to maintain this faith. And it, it should give us real humility that I, I can't possibly maintain my faith all these years just by myself. I need God's help. And so the, the doubt doesn't start with um, theology or, or intellect. It starts with complaining. Like, my belly's not full. Or... Uh, I, I have a headache, or my best friend just left me, or I lost my job. It's these kinds of life sufferings that make us doubt God's very existence. But it begins with just complaining, like, well, I don't, I don't doubt that God exists, but he's just not very nice to me. He's not there when I need him. And then eventually it's, well, I guess he doesn't exist. So the first step in, in nourishing our faith is to say, as an act of will, I thank God. I praise him, no matter what. Mother Teresa also had a famous saying, uh, give what he takes and take what he gives with a big smile. Because he's going to give us a lot of stuff that's difficult. He's going to take from us what we don't want to give or what we don't think we can give. And when he does that, we have to avoid complaining. And we have to make a big smile and say, this is the will of God that I embrace it with all my heart. That's that's really the first act of faith, is to praise God rather than complain to God when things don't go our way. We're talking with Father Joseph Ilo today here on The Inner Life and talking about the doubts that we face in our life, and not only just being aware of them, but we're going to look at how can we strengthen our faith so that when we face those doubts, we don't let them sway us from what is true, from our faith. And when have you struggled with doubts in your spiritual life, in your spiritual journey? And what has helped you to be able to move past those? What has helped reinforce your faith for you? Or maybe you're struggling with uh, some sort of doubt right now, and you'd like to call in and talk with Father Joseph Ilo. The number to call in, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can email us at innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue talking about this topic.
topic, and we'll have some good answers on how you can strengthen your faith coming up here in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today we're talking about dealing with those doubts that we face in our spiritual life, our spiritual journey, and one of you struggled with doubt in your faith. And what has helped you to be able to move past those doubts, to be able to say, no, I really do know what's true. Uh, maybe you're struggling with doubt right now. There's something that's really just, uh, you're in a quandary and you'd like some advice, some help in your spiritual journey. And you can call in and speak with Father Joseph Philo at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. I also want to let you know about an opportunity for you to make uh, kind of a, a mini pilgrimage. And what this is, it's called The Walk to Mary. And we've promoted this for a good number of years here on Relevant Radio now. Uh, Father Rocky, our executive director here, um, has been instrumental in wanting to encourage people to go and make this walk, this one-day kind of pilgrimage walk, to the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. And it's coming up Saturday, May 7th. And it's a 21-mile pilgrimage. It starts at the National Shrine of St. Joseph in De Pere, Wisconsin, and it finishes there at the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. That's the apparition site, uh, the only Marian-approved apparition site in the U.S. And you don't have to do the full 21 miles if that's a little much for you. I think they have like a 14 and a 7 and even like a 1 or a 2-mile version that you can do, especially if you've got maybe young children that you want to take with you. Um, but you can find out more information if you go to walktomary.com. Again, that's walktomary.com. And I hope you'll look at uh, being a part of that coming up again Saturday, May 7th. Uh, Father Ilo, as we continue our conversation looking at the time, topic of doubt today. You mentioned, you know, there's the involuntary doubt, the thing that just kind of, it, it it's sparked by whatever might be happening in our life or whatever comes to our mind at that moment. And then the problem can be where it leads to voluntary doubt, where mm -hmm. that can, can, you know, if, if we don't look at that with maybe the proper understanding, if we give in to an argument that might seem really good on the surface, but we haven't examined all facets, it can possibly take us into an area where then all of a sudden that voluntary doubt can be very problematic. You, you made the mention of the young man who he had been very strong in his faith, ended up having a very... Um, very unfortunate conversation with an atheist who ended up convincing him that there is no God and that mm. then has put his and his family's faith in jeopardy now. They've left the faith. 
do all doubts that we face in our life, you know, going looking back at Adam and Eve there in the garden, that original mm-hmm. sin, you know, that's what the serpent uses. He uses doubt for Eve that, you know, is God really wanting the best for you? Is he really going to care for you? Or is he holding you back? Why doesn't he want you to be like him? Why doesn't mm-hmm. he want you to have, you know, this this sort of equality with him? And so at a certain point, do we look back? Are all of us kind of cursed with doubt just because it's passed on through original sin? Can you give us maybe some insight on that? Well, that's the first story of doubt in human history in the Bible, and it's it's worth looking at a little bit more closely. The answer is to your last question, do we all inherit doubt, is yes, we inherit original sin, which uh, weakens our intellect, it, it, it darkens our intellect, and it weakens our will, so that we are, oh, uh, we are exposed to doubt. We're, we're, we have a tendency to doubt because of the original, the effects of original sin. The serpent clings, uh, sorry, he cloaks his uh, deceitful argument under the intellect. That is, he appeals to the intellect of Eve, or he hides behind the power of our intellect in the words of Monsignor Escriva. I'm reading the Navarre Bible commentary on this chapter 3 of Genesis This is a subtle temptation, writes Monsignor Escriva, which hides behind the power of our intellect given by our Father God to man so that he might know and love him freely. What does the serpent say? He said, did God really tell you that you cannot eat of any of the trees in the garden? Now, Eve knew that God had said that. And she knew that God existed, that he loved her and Adam, that he provided everything in the garden for them. But the, devil, the, the serpent says, did he really say that? Maybe you were mistaken. Maybe you haven't thought this through. And that's the subtle doubt that's planted in her mind. And in our own time, I think of the um, lamentable anti-Christian curriculum in a lot of schools that say, did the United States really, uh, did the founders of our country really care about black people or really care about human rights or were they just trying to exploit and make money for themselves is there really a god is the church really trustworthy all these doubts are sown in children's minds just the way the serpent did that so we have to be very aware of the temptations against faith and when we see it when we hear it we have to like Jesus in the desert himself, when the, the same serpent comes back to Jesus in the desert and says, after his 40-day fast, uh, do you really think your father God wants you to go hungry? Just turn these stones into bread. Uh, is God really trustworthy? Is your father, does he really love you? And the Lord Jesus doesn't even argue with Satan. He just quotes scripture back to him, says, well, the Lord has said in scripture that 
you will live by every word of God, not by bread alone and, and such. So I think that's our best defense against subtle uh, doubts that come to us, either from our own uh, weakened intellects or from the devil himself or from the world. That is to, to cling to prayer, to cling to uh, the teachings of the church, the word of God, and, and also practicing the faith. You mentioned the walk to Mary, which is a wonderful tradition that Father Rocky has started. We're doing that. This is a little um, announcement here in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, our our parish, Star of the Sea, is uh, doing that this year. It's just going to be a three mile, not a twenty one mile, but we're going to walk. We're going to start at eight o'clock on May seventh in the morning, and walk the three miles from our parish up to the cathedral for mass with Archbishop Corleone. But it's that kind of practicing of our faith, going on a little pilgrimage, that uh, is a bodily expression of our faith that strengthens our faith. It shakes off all those doubts. So practicing the faith, yeah. Well, as you're saying this too, you know, you you uh, you said, you know, we want to in in being able to bolster our faith. We want to hold to prayer. We want to exercise our faith in these real ways, like the walk to Mary. Um, mm-hmm. Also, being familiar with Scripture, um, you know, you, you pointed back to Christ himself, doesn't even respond other than simply to quote Scripture to the devil as he's being tempted. And, and I think that's really important there, too. Um, you know, the, that we don't have a superficial understanding of our faith, but that we, mm-hmm. we are continually trying to learn more and to understand more about our faith. Uh, you know, the, one of my favorite lines from C.S. Lewis, as he's talking about, you know, um, if, we are, if we are going to live as Christians, some people have this notion that it's okay to not be an intellectual believer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And C.S. Lewis says, I don't think God's any more fond of intellectual slackers than any other type of slacker. And <laughs> we all have a brain. You know, some of us might have the capacity to learn and understand more, and some might have a lesser capacity, and that's okay. But to the best of our ability, we should be looking to understand what God has given us, what he has revealed about himself, and mm-hmm. if we just have that superficial knowledge, if we haven't really spent time reading through the scriptures, and then mm-hmm. we face these doubts, well, the doubts will most likely win because mm-hmm. we haven't mm-hmm. given ourselves the, the ammunition, the foundation mm-hmm. that we need to be able to respond when those doubts face us. That's right, and everybody can read the Bible. You don't need... You just need to know how to read, and even if you can't read, there's audio Bibles. So, so no one is deprived of the Word of God. We deprive ourselves of the Word of God by not making the effort to study it. That, that famous quote by St. Jerome, ignorance of the Scriptures is ignorance of Christ. We have no defense against the evil one if we don't know Scripture. That's all Jesus used in his defense. And so I just want to encourage everybody, every one of our listeners, to read the Bible regularly, a chapter a day if possible. Of course, you receive the scriptures in Mass. Even praying the rosary is a way of, of, of reciting scripture because they're all mysteries from the scriptures. 
So that's why things like the walk to Mary when we pray the rosary, it's really soaking ourselves in the Word of God. You talked about complaining, that that, you know, the grumbling, the complaining, that might be an area where the doubt can start, you know, kind of sow seeds in our life. Another area that I think might be worth talking about here is when we're facing anxiety or fear. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we deal with doubts, I think that that can come from those areas a lot of time, fear that I'm not in control, things that, you know, things could go horribly wrong. Um, Mm. Fear or anxiety, that's where I think a lot of that doubt can also come in because it can lead us into questioning a lot of what-if scenarios. And mm-hmm. so it might be good to discuss that danger of spending too much time dwelling on all of the what-ifs. You know, these can keep us from being fully engaged in the present. They can distract us with mm-hmm. all of these suppositions, these possible reasons that, mm-hmm. well, th- this this might be that God really doesn't exist, or, you know, I'm doubting God's face- faithfulness because what if this happens? What if that happens? But most of the time, the what-ifs are not necessarily based in reality. All my life, I've uh, discovered that if you trust God and try your best, it like 95% of the time it all works out fine. The what-ifs are a, lot of, a big waste of time. What if we stopped spending so much time worrying and considering negative scenarios and applied ourselves to reading the scriptures, studying the uh, teachings of the church, practicing our faith. I'll tell you that serving the poor, we, we do this, um, we cook about 200 meals uh, on a, sun, a Sunday morning after the morning mass, and there's a group that cooks for the homeless, and then we actually drive it down with coats and blankets to the uh, Skid Row areas of San Francisco. And it's that... Um, we're too busy to worry about what might happen if this or you know, doubts because you're, you're actually touching the poor. You're, you're, you're talking with them. You're, you're, do, you're doing what God asked you to do. So I think keeping ourselves busy instead of there's so much idle time, there's so much time spent on social media and just waste of time, gossip and negativity. If we just roll up our sleeves and study and serve others, uh, We'd, much, we'd have a much easier time of it, a much happier life. Let's talk about two words that you mentioned near the beginning of the hour, Father. And this is going back to the catechism that if we are to protect our faith, it says if we are to nourish and protect our faith, we do it with prudence and vigilance. And again, that's paragraph 2088 that you were referencing out of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, and again, I want to open up the phone lines for any, anybody who would like to call in, as today we are talking about the doubts that we face in our spiritual life, and the phone number to call in, 888-914-9149. Uh, maybe it's something that you're dealing with right now, struggling with some doubts in your faith journey, and you'd like some encouragement um, some advice from Father Ilo as we're talking here today. Uh, maybe it's something that you you faced those doubts in the past and you've been able to move forward and it's helped make your faith stronger. What helped you? What, what was the way that you were able to look at those doubts, examine them, and be able to say, no, those aren't the, the thing I was worried that they would be. Uh, I can cling to 
my faith in God and his goodness. We'd love to hear your story at 888-914-9149. But Father, prudence and vigilance, can you talk about how we can grow, especially maybe in that virtue of prudence, what that is and how we can, how we can foster that so it does protect our faith? Yeah, so prudence, otherwise known as wisdom, is the right ordering of our resources. So a lot of people tend to bite off more than they can chew, but a, the virtue of prudence, it's, it's, it's a humility thing where we say, well, I can do this much, but I can't do more, and I'm going to do what I can do very well. So I think a lot of us get too anxious. We get stressed out because we're trying to do too many things. Do a few things very well and uh, make make a uh, resolution to do one, two, and three things and let the rest go. So I'm going to you know, feed the poor once a month through this group. I'm going to read one chapter of the Bible a day. I'm going to spend an hour a week teaching my kids the catechism or the scriptures. So pick a few things and then don't overextend yourself. Now, of course, we don't want to be lazy, uh, use prudence as an excuse to be inactive. But um, vigilance and prudence will keep us from uh, falling into the anxiety that is the beginning of doubt. It's the stress and anguish that we uh, often experience before we begin to doubt. Our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, as we are talking about how we can combat those doubts, how we can strengthen our faith here on The Inner Life today, and you can call in and join the program at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and I want to thank you for joining us here today as we're talking with Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, discussing the doubts that we face in our spiritual journey. And when have you been faced with those doubts? When have you struggled with doubts as you've been moving along in your faith? And what has helped you to be able to move past those doubts? Maybe you're struggling with some doubt right now, something that has really made you question God, his goodness, maybe his reality in your life. And you'd like to talk with Father Ilo, you can call in at 888-914-9149, Father, in the last segment, you were talking about the group that goes out and provides meals for those in need in your community. And you said, you know, there's the fact that you, when you're actively working in ministry, it doesn't give you the time to necessarily worry about some of those doubts, to give in to fear or anxiety, um, all of the what-ifs that we had kind of talked about there. I think it's also important that, as you mentioned that, we surround ourselves with other people of faith 
Because when a question does arise, when we are challenged on something regarding what we believe, what the church teaches, um, when there's something that can be put forth as a very strong argument against our faith, mm-hmm. we won't necessarily know everything. We won't know how to respond to everything. Um, and that's okay. You know, I, it gives us an opportunity to learn more. But there are so many uh, ways that people twist what the church says. There's so many mm-hmm. misconceptions mm-hmm. about the church. And there's so many misconceptions mm-hmm. just about God in general. Mm-hmm. And being able to be around other people of faith who maybe they have already struggled and wrestled with that question before you ever even thought of it, before it was ever brought to your attention. They might be able to give you a response that makes you say, oh, (laughs) now I see. And just having that community is such an important part, you know. I mean, we talk about that again and again here during this hour of the inner life, you know, that we shouldn't just be off on an island all on our own. That's Mm -hmm. a very kind of Protestant Mm -hmm. mentality, just Jesus and me. But we really need the community of believers that can help strengthen and bolster us. And that's such an important aspect of growing in our faith and being able to not succumb to some of these doubts that can lead us down a, a wrong path. That's right. I do think the greatest evil of our time is isolation, uh, or some people call it atomization, an atomized, you know, everybody's their own atom, their own island. Our Lord could have saved the human race all by himself, but he chose to do it in community by forming a a college of 12 apostles around himself. College is a beautiful name, a word. It means to to live with, right? Collagery. And he lived with these men for for three years, and he knew that one would uh, betray him and another, his, his main guy would deny him three times. But he didn't give up on the community. And what did the apostles do right after the the trauma of the passion and then the resurrection? They stayed together. They stayed together for 50 days until Pentecost. They were together in the upper room when Thomas, Thomas wasn't with them. And that was his problem, that he was not in community. And so the doubts came to him because I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was off shopping or something or just needed to get away, but we need to stick together. God, that's God's plan for us. There's a custom of priests after the Easter uh, Sunday to be together in community. And this year, six of us priests were together in community for three or four days right after Easter in a, in a house that somebody let us use by the ocean. Very beautiful. But it's one of the most joyful times of the year after the great efforts all of us expend during Holy Week and the the stresses of all the Easter liturgies, just to be with each other and to talk things out. One of the things we always talk about in our few days after Easter is tales from the Easter vigil, you know, what went wrong? What were the stresses? And it's, we, we can laugh about it and we can learn from each other. So, in whatever way you can find community, you, everybody, every one of us needs to find that community. If you're a priest, make good priest friends and have regular. Tonight, I'm going to have a. We we have a monthly uh, holy hour together. A bunch of us priests here in San Francisco and a dinner, and um, 
if you're a, a layperson, obviously the, the family is your first uh, unit of community of the domestic church, where if you're single, you have to have good friends. You, you really can't maintain your faith without fellowship, without good friends. We have a lot of young adults in our parish. San Francisco is a lot of young young professionals, but there's a very strong young adult community here that meets every Tuesday night for a holy hour and then uh, goes out to dinner or has a speaker come in or in some, some form of community. If we are not in community, we are wide open for 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 doubt, for losing our faith. So I would just say to everybody, find your community. Mother Teresa, I talk a lot about her. Um, I apologize if it's a little bit too much, but... No, don't she, apologize uh, for that, Father. She, you know, she she went out, she left the Loretto Sisters in 1950 when she got permission to start the mission as a charity, but she started alone because, you know, you have to start something. She didn't have a religious order, so she just went out and started teaching the, the children in the slums how to, you know, the alphabet with a stick in the dirt. But it was the hardest time of her life, she said. To, to, she she cried because she was all alone. She had lived in community with the Loretto sisters for, I think, 16 years. And then suddenly she's all alone. And very soon girls started coming to her. The first uh, missionary of charity is one of her students. And uh, then other students came and other girls. So then she had this community and that's how the missionaries of charity grew. That's how mother Teresa herself grew was she was supported. She loved those sisters as her own daughters. And um, everyone has to find their own community. She told the sisters, if you're tempted, and she was, she was giving a conference to the sisters talking about sexual temptation for the sisters. You know, these are young girls or I mean, young ladies and all of their friends are getting married. And of course, they're tempted to think about marriage or think about sexual things, the comfort that comes with sexual intimacy. But it wasn't their calling. And Mother Teresa said, if the devil comes knocking on your door with a sexual temptation, just tell him you're too busy. Tell him, I really don't have time for this right now because I've got to be attentive to my community. I've got to serve the poor. Keep busy within your communities doing good things and those temptations to despair, isolation, doubt. You know, I think pornography is the great epidemic of our time. And what is it? It's it's isolation. It's it's a it's being locked in your own kind of imaginary world. And it, it's such a tragic isolation of our of especially of, of young men that uh not getting married, but just, you know, kind of wasting their lives away and um, being trapped in these, these addictions. So the only way to get through it is, is to find and build community, and especially Christian community. Well, let's talk about that for a moment here, because, you know, as you gave the example with Mother Teresa, she set this up people came to her, uh, <laughs> most of us are not going to be establishing a religious order. Um, how do we go about what might be some of the best ways to find that community if you feel alone and isolated? Mm. Well, there, there are many ways, but my uh, work is as a parish priest. So the Catholic Church, let me just recommend parishes. A lot of parishes 
are very good at this. Some are not so good uh, about for, uh, providing community, building community among the members. Uh, many parishes, and you may may belong to a parish that isn't really very active or, or doesn't have like a family feel to it. But it begins, it's not just the priest's job. I mean, he has an irreplaceable role, but the people of the people will come to me and say, could we start a Bible study? Could we, this feeding of the homeless on Sunday afternoons, a couple of women came to me and said, could we use the kitchen to start cooking? And it's just blossomed. So it's often the lay people that say, we want, we need community. And the Catholic Church is organized uh, around this principle of, of parishes, that every single square foot of planet Earth is in some parish. And it's the the um, essential ecclesial community. I mean, of course, the domestic church, the family, but um, in terms of hierarchical community, it's the parish. So don't underestimate the potential in your own parish. Wherever you live, you're in, in some parish, and you can help, you can find community there. You can help others find community by building community within your own parish. Father, down to our last minute or so here. Um, before we wrap up, any recommendations on any specific prayers that might be good for somebody who is struggling with doubt in their life? Yes. So what we used to call ejaculations or aspirations, um, just scripture quotes that you can pull out at a moment's notice. One of them is what Thomas said, my Lord and my God, or the famous words of the, uh, what was it? Um, the centurion, uh, oh, Lord, sure. I Truly do believe this man was the son. Of oh, oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> got it. Yeah. I'm getting maybe a little mixed up. My, uh, Lord, I do believe help my unbelief. I'm, who said that in the Bible? I forget. But, um, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief, because that's just, that is just, um, describes all of us. We do believe, but it's, we doubt. <laughs> but the apostles gathered just before the ascension, and the, the, the evangelist says, they believed, but they doubted. <laughs> that's all of us. So we can say those words, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. Father Joseph Ilo, uh, thank you so much for being with us here today. In our about 30 seconds remaining, could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Sure. May the blessing of Almighty God be with all of us, that our faith may be strengthened, and that we find ways to build community and so cure the doubts that come to us. And may he bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again, Father Joseph Ilo, for being our spiritual director. Thank you for listening. And I want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Angesser for their help in producing the program. Of course, the podcast will be available shortly at relevantradio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. I want to also remind you if you go to the website or the app, look up the information about the Walk to Mary headed to the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. That's going to be taking place Saturday, May 7th. You can find that information on our website. Stay tuned. Mass is coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.